when we come together with the indigenous peoples as equals, as family, and we each open our hearts and our minds to the other, the melding of our gifts will bring a new perspective that is invisible at this time. This new perspective will allow us to see the path to true unity, peace, and freedom. Okay, so that's the sort of the prophecy that we've been operating on, or at least I've been operating on for the past 30 years. That, that, that I got it then, that, that what's missing in the paradigm of humanity is the indigenous people's understanding of the nature of the universe and their connection to all that is and the spirit and the life and the love of the universe. So our work over the past uh, 30 years has been to bring that indigenous voice to the table, not as victims, but as players in the, in the evolutionary upward spiral of humanity. And, and so our work is to, to move us beyond that the victim-perpetrator model of who did what to whom and move us into a higher conversation where we see what, what syntheses have already occurred from our coming together. And, and we're calling the, 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 the first great synthesis of European, Europeans and American Indians is the first 50 years of peace and friendship in Plymouth, Massachusetts, which is the origin story of America. And, and we, this is a story that's been so shrouded in misconception and misunderstanding that we feel it's a core wound of this nation that, that has it, got us paralyzed morally. And that's pretty obvious um, as you look around at what's going on in this country. So we're, we're, we're boots on the ground calling for uh, another synthesis, which we're calling the third synthesis. The second synthesis occurred when the uh, Iroquois Great Law, principles from the Iroquois Great Law, came into the Constitution in uh, 1787. So we're, we're tracking these, these, these positive times of, of uh, extraordinary times when, when new things came out of the melding of our cultures, the coming together of our cultures. And, and that's what we feel needs to happen for all of humanity at this time and, and basically is happening. It's, it's, um, it's in the prophecies and it is in, it's in, it's, it's in, it's in our DNA. It's, it's what's up as far as we're concerned. It's not something that has to happen. It's something that is happening. And so, um, that's, that's the essence of, of our work, our life work. And we've, we've uh, written books. We're in the process of writing more books and doing films. So we can talk about our, our work of what, what we're boots on the ground doing. But here's Andrew. Yeah. As we live in an exceedingly exciting moment here in 2016 because we're just four years away from the 400th anniversary of the landing of that little boat, the Mayflower, which was the beginning of something and the end of something, as we all know very well. And that thing is called the United States of America. And it's the origin story. And there, in fact, and very few people really know this, there were 54 years of true friendship and interaction. It fell, it fell apart. But there was that gem of a time when we spent time together and we're in each other's homes and exchanged 
fusions and cosmologies, and it's 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 a really interesting thing. And it's uh, I've been researching this a lot for the last ten or twelve years. Anyway, point being, we've got the 400th anniversary coming up, which is going to be a real opportunity. It's going to be controversial. There's going to be a lot of, I believe, a lot of anger expressed on the part of um, a lot of the native people who have had a really, really hard time. And white it, people who feel very guilty. Yeah, and and yet it's an opportunity. It's like, you know, I'm 72 years old, and it's the one time in my lifetime where this opportunity is coming up, and the next time is probably going to be the 500th anniversary, which is, you know, 104 years down the road. I'm not going to be in this particular body. Point being, I'm getting the opportunity to write a book, and it's turned, it started out as, um, I, I, I thought it was going to be a nonfiction, but actually it's turned into a novel. And you would think it would be a novel set in historic times back 400 years ago, and it's not that either. It's actually set in the future, speaking of futurists, it's set on the island of Barbados in the year 2020. And it's about a truly dysfunctional family of Mayflower descendants who don't even know they're Mayflower descendants. And the old man is dying. And as he's dying, he begins to see through the veil and starts talking to someone on the other side. And the hospice lady says, yeah, 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 he's talking to your grandmother. You know, your, your, you know his, his wife is coming to greet him. And... She listens and says, no, no, he's not. Who is he talking to? Turns out he's talking to a Native American grandmother from 400 years ago who was shipped out from New England after, after the war that ended the peace and the friendship and was shipped down to Barbados as a slave. And she was only allowed to take one thing with her when she was shipped off, and that was her Bible. But the Bible wasn't a Bible. It was, in fact, a book that was disguised as a Bible, because in those days, women weren't supposed to read and write, and this young lady who came over in the Mayflower, this is fiction, was the writer of this diary. That's basically what the novel's about. The discovery of this old journal, Bible, that had been hidden in the, in the cellar of this old family home on a plantation down in the Caribbean for 400 years. And what this book contains is the book the, the book itself is fiction but the contents are not fiction they're actual primary source material written down by the journalists and the reporters of the day they are the people now of course they were the english people who wrote and published these reports of what was going on so we get a really good window into this relationship personally i really want to play up the friendship factor it's basically about the friendship between an English woman, an English girl back in the day, and a Native American girl. And it, I just want to highlight the positive beauty of that interaction and what they learned from each other, because now 400 years later, we are finally waking up, I believe, to the fact that the Native people of this planet, I grew up in South Africa, so I grew up among the Zulus and various tribal folks there. I'm an Englishman born in England back in 1943 and ended up coming over here and studying with Sunbear and taking various sweat lodge and other experiences and doing lots of other spiritual work and getting to the point of recognizing that at last we Westerners, we Western Europeans are looking at the indigenous peoples of the world and 
recognizing the amazing, beautiful spiritual contribution they have to bring to the future of humanity. So as Connie just said, once we get together, once we merge our visions and open our hearts and let go of who, as she said, who did what to whom, because so many people are focused on that, and yeah, we can stay focused on that, but if we do, we're stuck in the past. We're never going to move forward. So that's my two cents, just the opening of this um, conversation. Well, yeah, you know, a lot of people uh, don't realize, you know, it, it, the, the problem wasn't with the pilgrims. The problem came with the Puritans, and uh, it was downhill from there, and... Uh, you might want to elaborate. I'm sure you're going to elaborate on that. But uh, what were you going to say, Connie? Go ahead. No, no, you're absolutely right. Is this Mark or Will? This Will. Will, yeah, absolutely, um, Will. And and that's what it's important to to delineate between the Puritan and the Pilgrim. People have it all messed up, and people actually all have it all messed up between the Pilgrims and Columbus. I mean, I want to tell you that. We are in such a mess with our understanding of the beginnings of this whole American thing. You know, well, not American, because America existed before, but this whole European uh, piece of this evolution on this this turtle island. You know, Wallace Blackout called the island of peace. You know, this whole, the Americas. You know, there's something so incredible that wants to come forth from this land, from this mixture of all of the world's peoples here, that, that you know, this confusion and this anger, and it, it's, it's just a boggle how conflated and confused we are around it all. And um, we're, we're just saying, okay, let's take the high road. Let's look at what good has happened and take ourselves there so we can go forward together and serve our children and so that our children can, can walk together and play together and be together and grow together and, and we can actually, what we feel is we're going to move into a higher frequency. We've written a book called The Trust Frequency, Ten Assumptions for a New Paradigm. We believe that when we do this, when we actually come together in our hearts, we're going we're gonna to flip the whole thing into this higher frequency where where there's so much abundance and beauty and joy and balance, we can't even fathom what's there. And the, and the prophecies speak of that as well. And we, we're giving tools with our, with our book, The Trust Frequency. It's a melding of, of indigenous cosmology and quantum science and Eastern-Western mysticism. It's, it's not either any of those things. It's a synthesis that shows us how loved we are by a conscious, loving universe. And what I discovered was because I've spent so much time with what I call visionary native elders, the, the ones who see the oneness of all things and want to bring us all together, I, I came to understand the native cosmology, the native insight and connection to the beauty of all that is. And what I saw was in the Mayflower Pilgrims that they wanted exactly, they had a, a similar connection to the creator, which they call God, but they had that similar connection and trust in this providential energy of God, creator, exactly the same as the native people, and that they operated from that place as, as the native people do, or, you know, in theory, do, you know, in, in the highest 
uh, aspect of the of the native way. So what we found is is the common ground between these Mayflower pilgrims who were looking who, who were looking for freedom of conscience, not just freedom of religion, which is key for the native people, freedom of religion, you know, um, but freedom of conscience that we can operate according to our conscience, according to what Creator tells us to do. Okay, that is so basic to the native way. You go up on the mountain, you cry for a dream, you get the vision, you get the dream, you come down, you tell your people, and then that's what that's what that's what goes. That becomes the order of the day. What Creator says. Well, that's exactly what the Mayflower pilgrims were operating under, and that they they had a an agreement amongst themselves that they would 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 obey those those signals no matter what it shall cost them, you know, and it cost them their lives. It cost them a tremendous amount. A half of the people died their, the first winter that they were here. Um, but, and also, the, the, the pilgrims, they, they had this understanding that the, 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 the revelation of the Creator or God had not been, they didn't have it all, that somebody was, was more out there to, to learn and to grow from and to experience and that more of God's ways would be revealed through meeting other people and other experiences. So it's just what we're doing with our work is to let people know that this common ground and, and it's a basic human desire and, and uh, lack of understanding at this point given our, our lack of connection to a, a trust based, providence-based, creator-based reality. And so our work is to, um, to bring this forth and give people tools so that they can, in fact, walk it today. Because until we walk it, until we come together and actually walk with an open heart with each other, we're just going to stay in the same mess that we've been in since, since the beginning, really, because this is an evolutionary upward spiral, you know? So that's um, that's that on that subject. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, I got an idea. Uh, um, what do you think, Mark? If you looked at, uh, let's do a Mayan uh, uh, reading on the date April fifth, sixteen twenty, which was the um, uh, day they arrived. And uh, April fifth, sixteen twenty. Uh, April fifth, sixteen twenty. Yeah, see what you come up with. <laughs> now let's let's have a quick correction there because that was not the date they arrived. Oh yeah, they arrived on they arrived on November ninth, sixteen twenty. So I uh, suspect there's going to be a shift there. And you know, there's also a problem because that was in the old calendar versus the Gregorian calendar. So I'm not quite sure which is which. If you well, by that oh, time. Okay. I think they had made the adjustment because the, the Gregorian was instituted in 1582. So they would have had time to add the 10 days. Ah, okay. So right. that, that, I, I, keep, I keep probably, you're right. You're, it, yeah. It's possible that they didn't, but, uh, you know, 1582, so that's 18 plus 20, 38 years, they probably got it done. So listen, they first set foot on American soil on November 16th. November 16th? Yes, yeah, so if you went to November 16th. 
Yes, that's when they made first physical contact with the Earth because they... Well, they, yeah, but Columbus got here way before that. <laughs> yeah, but we're not talking about Columbus. We're talking about a bunch of English folks coming over from... Oh, well, I, I'm saying, though, when, you know, when people got here and started to actually influence the... The this the South and, and North America is what I'm looking at. Where yeah. what kind of first uh, contact that was became issues? I mean, because you had Columbus, and then you had Cortez, and then you had who was the guy that was on the uh, up in the Pacific? I could forget Drake or something. I forget his name. Um, you mean I'm, Captain Cook? Huh? You mean Captain I don't know Cook the guy that the guy that was off the coast of uh, you know like Washington and and. Oregon, somewhere up in there. Yeah, boy, I don't know. Our, our field of, of expertise has to do with New England and the founding over okay, there. So and we'll and look the up the November 16th, 1628. November 16th, 1620 will put you pretty close. And I, I misspoke as April 5th, 16th. That was the day they set, sta- set sail. And I was going to ask, you know, do we go with that date? Because that's the date of the... Of the uh, of intention and and the launching of something. Anyway, well, uh, let's oh, work out. Should, should be interesting. Let's let's see what we come well, up with. Well, let's look at let's look let's, at the November sixteenth landing date. Okay, and that particular date. Yeah. That particular date was a uh, two oc November sixteenth, sixteen twenty, and the two. Like most of us think, it's is about polarity, both positive and negative, which is what you were just talking about. How there are you know, uh-huh. negative things, and but there's po- positive things that we're we're missing out on too, which most of us know about all the negative stuff. And but and the arc is the uh, dog cliff. Uh, he's the guy that uh, takes them. Um, through the uh, underworld, he has to do with fairness, counseling of things, authority, the law, stuff like that. Wow. Um, and he's sitting. He's sitting, and and he's uh, the dog glyph is Quetzalcoatl's partner. Shoatl is the dog of the underworld, which brings him out of the under, leads the dead souls through the underworld into the kind of the next world or next life or whatever. So it's a transition. Face. He's like the seeing eye dog, spirit dog that takes you, gets, gets your butt over where you need to go. And this two ox is sitting in another cycle, and a 13-day cycle of, of Ta or Mulak, which me, which has to do with uh, uh, karma, fire, past lives, offering up tribute, payment. It's, it also sometimes is associated with uh, purification. So that seems to uh, indicate that this whole process might be part of the what the Hopi call the purification. Yeah. <laughs> and there, you know, there's basically challenges and uh, negatives and positives, and trying to put things in balance and yeah. and getting through this whole cycle, carrying us through the underworld of the darkness of where we're at kind of like an extension of the dark ages in Europe and affecting people and that that kind of causing maybe, you know, those guys to leave the effects of that causing the pilgrims and all those guys to get the hell out of Europe and say, we, we're not right. somewhere else. But, you know, a lot of the, what most people don't realize is, you know, Europe was full 
of people that were basically indigenous people. There were people over there that uh, uh, built uh, longhouses. There were people, well, more on the Asian European, they built the yurts and, and stuff, which is kind of their version of a teepee, sort of. So there were a lot of indigenous Europeans. Yeah, there still are. A lot, not a lot more than what we think, and we're not told about that stuff. So uh, let me look and see in the sixth sun, see what it says about that date. Okay, it's showing on the forward flow of time. Things about, so this is the way we normally look at time. So it's talking about how uh, uh, aspect of, of focusing and focusing awareness, uh, the potential when you do that for a, flour, a flourishing uh, can grow, a prosperity. It's like a seed being planted in the ground. The glyph actually looks like that. It's commonly thought of like a corn seed being planted in the ground. So it's like that's amazing. Planted, <laughs> but it's talking wow. about uh, it's talking about uh, a warrior energy here, uh, having fearlessness, having some reason and, and some justice, and and in a larger cycle that's talking about action, just getting something done that has to do with all these things. So it, um, then on the backward flow, this is more the energy of what was being planted on the other flow of time going backwards from the next world cycle into that point in time. <clears throat> and it's talking about um, uh, overwhelmingly the power of, of thought and movement, synchronicity of things, and uh, power of love not just any old one, but creator's never-ending love. It's talking about prophecy, balance. Big thing here on balance and truth are very important in terms of uh, causing this change through prophecy and synchronicity and thoughts and bringing us all in. Um, now, where these two come together, two time flows, there's a kind of a gateway or doorway which is moving from one world cycle to the next, and it's ta it's about all mainly about uh, sh shaping or uh, molding or shaping life forces. It's uh, courage. It's uh, hooked into how creation is formed. And a big component here about uh, using wisdom, free and free will to open up pathways. And it has and, and intention is a, a lot, lot bigger cycle sitting behind the scenes. It's also a glyph that's associated with the sun, so that would that would tend to indicate the kind of through the sun and changes there, and how Creator manifests uh, things in our solar system through the sun. And without the sun, obviously we're dead. <laughs> you know, we have to have the heat and all the things from the sun. So it's indicating that you know when we connect with that energy and power, the main source of power that we can, indigenous people saw in our solar system with the sun, uh, <clears throat> then we align ourselves with that. So, uh, and we can also connect our ourself into that by what people call it sun gazing, right? Uh -huh. uh, there have been people that have done this and they get, go out at dawn and at sundown and they gaze at the sun. And some people have claimed they can actually survive off this. There was a guy over in India, an engineer of all things, I don't know how many years ago, it's, mm, within the last 
five years. He was an engineer over in India. NASA actually sent a team over there to investigate him to make sure he wasn't actually eating food or something or what he was doing. Uh, after about two or three weeks, they basically confirmed they thought he was actually doing something. And he was doing sun gazing, is what he said. So <clears throat> we may find that uh, sun gazing may be a way of directly interacting and connecting us in a way with Creator and the energy coming through Creator going into what we call chakra systems <laughs> and powering our chakra systems. And this would be this would be a uh, a pretty interesting thing if if we did that. So we made that connection, but we also listen to what we're told, which is what she was talking about earlier about you know the natives going out and and doing something to get in touch with Creator and actually listen to what they're supposed to be what the hell they're supposed to be doing on Earth. <laughs> you know. So this is what this is all ta- talking about. So I'm I'm guessing that. Uh, uh, that indicates maybe part of that seed that was being planted by that event of them setting foot on the shores. You know, if they, if all of if everybody looked back and said, "Whoa, what was really going on in there? What were they doing? And what what was the potential friendship? And what would happen if we actually did that? <laughs> and how would it have changed history if that would have been if something that kind of working together would have kept going and being uh, perpetuated or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that's a very big point. Can I, can I say something, Mark? Go ahead, yeah. You can interrupt yeah. any time. Two, 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 two things. One is, um, one is the thing you just mentioned, which had that paradigm sustained itself. We have a Cherokee uh, scholar friend. She's a linguist. Her name is Betty Booth Donahue, and she lives outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And she's written a really, really important book on the Mayflower Pilgrims, believe it or not, and how they, and she's a linguist, on how the native language got into the English language very, very powerfully in that, in that first 50 years. And she talks about, and we interviewed her for a film that we're working on, and she said that if the, what she called the Plymouth paradigm, if that had continued, we might have seen a very different future. In other words, we'd be looking back 400 years, potentially at a very different history. So there was a tragic falling apart of the relationship, and we won't go into too much detail on that. But that's one thing I wanted to say. The other is you mentioned the glyph that looked like a seed. It was the symbol of a seed. One of the first things the guys did when they came ashore and started exploring and started looking for a place to settle, and they were also trying to make contact with the native people. They couldn't find anybody, but they were, they were seeking them. They found stashes of corn. Interesting. And the place they found that is to this day called Corn Hill there on Cape Cod. And But what they were doing, um, shall we say... Whoa, what was actually happening deep inside them, the intention or the spirit of what traveled on that little boat across the ocean was the seed of what has become American democracy, the seed of free government that actually traveled over on that boat. Because back in England, there was no separation of church and state. The king was the, the, the absolute monarch, and 
you had to worship a certain way. You hear this, this program tonight is about learning to worship in the native way. The, once the Bible had been translated into English, the, the Europeans were in a whole different place. And out of that came the Protestant movement. Out of that came the Puritans, who their desire, their intention, they're called Puritans because they wanted to purify the church, which had become really, really decadent with all these bishops and all this, you know, flashy, fancy stuff. And the pilgrims were not Puritans. They were Puritans, but they were Puritans who said, excuse me, we're not going to be able to purify the church. That's impossible. We have to separate. So they're called separatists. They're the ones who separated from the church. That, that was, in fact, a treasonous act. You couldn't do that and get away with it. Their ministers were getting hanged. They were, it was really, really a dangerous, dangerous thing to do. But based on their personal inner belief system and their guidance they were receiving from Creator, they separated from the church. They left England and they moved to Holland. And that was illegal. You couldn't do that. They actually had to escape. It was really hard. It took them two and about two attempts that failed. And finally, they managed to get their, most of their people to Holland and others came and joined them later. And the whole thing that became the Mayflower journey actually started out of Leiden in Holland. Moms, dads, and kids. Just, and as Connie just said, it was moms, dads, and kids who wanted to worship according to their own direct connection to Creator, which is so much closer to the native way. The native people don't have cathedrals and bishops and popes and ministers, um, you know, laying down sermons and telling them how to think and how to believe. It was much, much closer. Then when they, came, when they got over here and actually met the native people and started having conversations, I'll tell a story a little bit later about an encounter where one of the Englishmen spent a night with one of the native people and they just learned enough. They had a bit of a... They were able to understand each other's language sufficiently to start talking about, you know, what do you believe? Why? You know, the Indians said to them, why are you... What are you doing? because they were about to eat, and they're saying grace, and, oh, we're giving thanks to our God, but I'm going to hand this over to Connie, and then we'll come back around to that one, because it's a really cool story. Mm -hmm. Well, I know, I was just going to say that, that the Seeds of Freedom, um, they, they wrote the Mayflower Compact. It wasn't just a religious freedom they were seeking. It was, it was a political freedom. It was a, a freedom uh, to, to, to form themselves into, this is a quote from the Mayflower Compact, form themselves into a civil body politic and choose leaders and, and make equal and just laws to serve the common good. And, and so, you know, they've been pigeonholed as, as religious extremists or something, uh, and, and they're religious extremists to the extent that the Native Americans are, are religious extremists. And anybody else who wants to follow their own path and um, so I just wanted to, to point that out uh, with the seed. It's amazing that, that you found this, this seed symbol because we're just doing a film right now that's going to be screened at the Boston Public Library in November um, and right after the election uh, and right between the election and Thanksgiving. Seeds of Freedom, A Vision for America. And, and it's about those those seeds that were planted then, and how are we going to actualize them? The whole thing has been a process. You know, we can say, oh, too bad it fell apart. 
Well, it fell apart for a reason, and as the native way knows, everything has a purpose. So uh, this purpose is to this, this purification mark that you brought up, that the Hopis call this is the time of the purification. Absolutely, this whole period of time. You know, the native people had, had fallen into war and, and lots of, of negative behaviors long before the white man came here, and the white man, you know, what they were doing in Europe forever, you know, was so out of balance. You know, this is a, this is, this land is, is the this is the, this 400 years has been a purification. It's so cool that the that the Mayan uh, codex that you're reading can can give us that insight. Because well, you know, here let me interrupt for a second because uh, we'll, let me tell tell you what we'll, we'll, some of the things that the Hopi elders wrote in their newsletter back that was published, I think, 1972 to about 84 or so. But they talked about the purification. And let me read you something straight out of that newsletter, what they wrote. It says, The deeper thoughts in the prayers that are that purification must be fulfilled as prophesied to a new dawn of time so the world will bloom into peacefulness. Palamu, the purification, will now put things in order. A perfectly healthy environment is required in order to receive the new life seed into the world. Now that's beautiful. What, which I have those newsletters. What, which date is that? It's, let me see, I forget. Uh, hold on, just give me a second. Uh, my computer's not cooperating here. Uh, um, it's, in anyway. issue, it's in issue 26 All of right. the newsletter. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, it's, you know, the native prophecies they saw, what, what has to happen and, and what is going to happen. And we're in the middle of it. And it's up to us now to choose to walk a higher path, to walk with an open heart in balance with all creation. And, and we can't do that until we come together because we're each carrying little pieces of the puzzle. You know, and, and nobody's got it all. And just like in Hopi Land, uh, you know, the the dances. Nobody knows what the whole dance is or 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 means. Yeah, every person has their individual part of the dance in the Hopi dance. And and so that's what we're all like. We're all dancing our individual parts. And until we put it into the dance, we don't have the whole picture of of what it all means and where it's going. Yeah, we're actually going up to a dance this time next week up in Hopi Land. <laughs> On Mother's Day. What are you doing for Mother's Day? We're going to Hopi Land to a dance, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, I've, I've been, to, <laughs> since 1990, I've been in... Is that going to be on First Mesa? We're actually going to... Um, Third Mesa, to Hope Villa. To Hope Villa, this particular... Well, I'm thinking day. on First yeah. Mesa this time of year is about when they do their, I think it's a deer dance. I don't know why. Yeah, and this is, uh, this is a cow dance. Oh, I've never heard of I've that. I've never heard of a cow dance, but a friend, a Hopi friend, was just visiting us this week, and she said, "Come on up, and it's a cow dance." And what's that? <laughs> she's, she's grandfather David's granddaughter. Oh yeah. And um, that's the family I've been friends with in Hope Villa. Is grandfather David's family, um, and we're going up there this weekend. Well, you might, hey, do you think? Uh, do you think anybody? Uh, do you think ahead. anybody's ever going to? Uh, 
ever going to find that lost uh, issue of uh, Tetsuya Hikachi or <coughs> was oh, yeah. it issue? Was it number 36 or 39? Something like that, yeah. But isn't there still a tablet that's missing? Well, the tablet, tablet. Um, it's interesting you bring that up because the tablet, when I was visiting Grandfather Martin back in 2007, uh-huh. he showed me a complete tablet. Hmm. And I kind of I brushed it off because I looked at it and said, well, you know, there's no cracker and nothing in it, you know, so this is obviously a fraud, you know, and I kind of brushed it aside and we talked about other stuff. He was, he was really nice. Uh, yeah, we, we, we love Grandfather Martin. And, uh, 2007? Yeah, I got, but I got back and I talked with someone about it and I said, you know, someone else that, several other people that talked to him, I said, and I said, uh, I told him about it and he said, oh no, what he told you was a replica stone. Uh, and I thought, oh, my God. So I, I got out a photo that had been taken, trying to look at it. And, I, and my photo wasn't good enough when I was there, when I had someone took a picture with me and him and Adam there, Yellowbird and all of us together. Oh, Yellowbird, yeah. yeah. But I couldn't see I couldn't see it. So I, I talked to some of these other people, and they said, oh, well, we got it. I said, well, you just send it to me. So they did. And <clears throat> I looked at it, and I go, oh, and it's been a while, but after a little bit, it, I forget how long it took, but I figured out, well, just about oh, last week, I had a... Now, I gained my understanding of that tablet on not through Hopi Elders tell me what it meant. And last week, I had it confirmed by one of the Hopi Elders that's over on First Mesa. He told me, he said... Well, I know what's on that. I know what's on that missing piece, and he says, "And I know you know what's on it, Mark, and you understand it. Mm-hmm. Your understanding is correct." Uh-huh. He basically verified not only what I knew about it, but what I was saying about it as well. And so, <clears throat> now the reason, the reason, what I was lost my train of thought because the reason I'm going back to this was because. Um, you know, the, I looked up when Grandfather Martin died, and, and him and, uh, and several of the other Hopi elders that had all passed on. It was very interesting, because in the sixth son Zulkan I have, they were connected. I mean, and they were connected on a very important symbol. Really who now, important. who was connected to what? Grandfather Martin, uh, Dan Kachkamba. And what's the other guy's? I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, uh, what was the other guy over there in Third Mesa? They were all Third Mesa. Let me see if I can find it here. I forget his, um, um, uh, Thomas Benyanka, Daniel. Oh, he's on, he's on, Thomas Benyanka was First Mesa. He was in Kokot's movie. He was, uh, Dan I, mean, third, I mean, Third Mesa. He's Third Mesa. Third Mesa, yeah. Yeah, and... But uh, the one that was really, um, all of them were connected back to Grandfather Martin, but the one, um, the uh, Dan Kachongva, he, he was, his, his and Grandfather Martin was on a very uh, certain symbol. And also for Blue Otter, Grandfather Martin's, the unity of his birth and his death was uh, Nine Eek. Wow. <laughs> so, 
But anyway, getting what I was wanting to get to, though, was that when you're over there, you might mention to them that reading that I did with you on the seed and stuff. Uh-huh. Okay. I, was, I gave two readings there. One was the dog thing, the first one, and that's using the traditional Mayan Zulkans. The reading that I gave you with the... Uh, on the seed and all that, and the love, synchronicity, and all that stuff, that was done using the sixth sun, Zulkin. And the, the what? The sixth sun, Zulkin. That's what they sixth. call the next world cycle. Sixth or you could sun. call it... Sun, Zulkin. Zulkin. Yeah. <clears throat> now, and the reading that I just did you from that newsletter was off of a thing I posted just here in the last couple of days, which showed... When I was given that six sons, Zulkin was actually during the Hopi Palamu ceremony, the purification ceremony, and I didn't know what that was at the time. I had no, I had no idea about it really. <laughs> and now I'm just starting to figure out the pieces they're falling together about how things happened and the ordering and, and the connections of things that happened to me. So the reason I'm bringing all this up is because. It might be that when you're on Third Mesa, you might want to contact, talk to some of those people about this and see if they're interested or not. Because I have a feeling it, it has to do with some of your work and it fits in with what you're doing in terms of kind of bridging the two cultures. Mm-hmm. One of the ideas that the Hopi elders talked about, they said there would be a, a, a new life planner and they said that it would have these symbols involved with it. And um, the six sons Zulkin appears to fulfill what they were saying. Because if, if, you, <clears throat> if you take those symbols and you put them together in a certain way, then they'll form another symbol. And that symbol, it's a symbol of the sun, that is the symbol that g- related to Grandfather Martin and then Ketchup. Vangva that's also connected to a cave that's sitting underneath the Pyramid of the Sun at Teotihuacan. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so the reason I'm bringing all this up is uh, it just popped in my head that I should tell all this to you because you might tell someone else there and talk to someone in Third Mesa and we all might get together and work on it because one of the things that this, as you saw with this Zulkin in action, is it has an uncanny ability to tap into things, especially things that will uh, bring things together. It has, it, it's, and it ha- it's a way to, it's a tool from, since I've been given it, to where you can look at, look into things, and you could take a group of people, and you could look at each person, and you can see what their abilities are, where they're really, what they're really good at. So all the other people can say, oh, you're good at that, I'm good at this, and they can see how each one of them fits together in a song. Each one is like a musical note. Mm-hmm. And they see how they fit together. And then when they work, so it's a way for them to say, oh, well, who's singing the song? Creator. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. it's a great symphony, huh? So it's a, it's a tool that allows huh? people to see how they fit together together from their birth going both forwards in time and backwards in time. And there was one Hopi, I don't know who it was, um, that said, this is part of their prophecy, that at some point they would see this. 
they would see in a, something that had to do with the forward and a backward movement of time. Mm. So it's interesting because there's an awful lot of uh, things that they've talked about that really seem to point to what I was given. And then I think what it can be used, like what I do on Blue Otter Show, it can be used to look at things in a way and then help unify and bring things together. And Yay! So we need, we need been, all the help we can get, I'll tell you what. Well, Better see, it's a thing that's a, it's a kind of a, uh, if, if what I'm thinking is correct, it could actually be uh, the new life plan that the Hopi were talking about. And they said that this would be part of the world blooming or a new sun or a new dawn blooming into mm. a world of peacefulness. Yeah. And they said it would lead to, in, in Dan Abraham's writing, The Message to the World, one of the last things he wrote, I think, um, he said that this would lead, a new life plan would be laid out and it would lead to uh, everlasting life and everlasting peace. Well, that caught my attention, too, mm. because guess what? In this new Zulkin, there are two days. And their literally name of their energy is never-ending life and never-ending peace. <laughs> nice. You know, Wallace Blackout used to talk about that, too, the everlasting life. And you know who else does, too, right? Old Jesus Christ himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So there's something, there's something to that. You know, I've, had, I've filed that away and just, just keep listening and waiting and watching and wondering, you well, know, what's, what's that all about? Well, it's like when you were talking, though, when you were mentioning it, I got the, the reason I brought all this up, because I don't normally get into it, but the reason I brought it up is because something just kind of poked me in the head and said, go on this spiel and tell you about it. Hey, Mark. Hey, yeah. Mark, uh, your elder uh, been hinting around about something called the arrival, and I wonder, you know, rather than thinking of it as something that's going to happen, maybe it's something that already happened, and we're looking forward to uh, an anniversary of it, and I don't know, it just popped into my head. Yeah, well, you know, um, somehow, somehow, yeah, you know, time not being linear, uh, that's what I've gotten, too, that it's already happened, and it's just up to us to align with it. I mean, this whole exercise of the physical world and all the, sh- sh- the stuff we we came here to do, you know, is to, the process is to bring us so that we align with something that has already happened because otherwise how can prophecy, you know, and those of us who can see the future, I have a very clear future vision of, of peace on earth and heaven on earth and that it's a given. How do I see that? How do the, the oracles see stuff if it hasn't already happened on some level? <laughs> well, I think that... The- you know, I remember when I first read, uh, when the Hopi said there'd be a, a new life plan, and I didn't really, it didn't really dawn on me until I heard a guy, uh, what was his name, Ian Lundgold, and he ah, did a lot of, no. he did a okay. lot of presentations on the Mayan Zulkin calendar, yep, and during one of his presentations, he brought up that a calendar is a life plan. It's how civiliz- a culture or civilization plans its life. Birth, death, uh-huh. different events and stuff. And I go, uh-oh. I go, new life plan means new calendar. New Zulkin calendar. 
And then I then it dawned on me, and I started reading the other things that the Hopi were saying, and it all fell into place. And I go, oh my God! And you're like kind of saying, well, is this real or <laughs> just, am I just making connections where there really isn't anything? But they were fitting. Every one of them was fitting together, and <clears throat> it made sense. And the only thing I could—that's one of the reasons I went down there to Hopi back in 2007—was to talk to her about it. But you know, it, it takes a while because, um, and unfortunately, I mean, guess if I lived down there for a few years, I might be able to, you know, uh, find the right set of people and get the right ones that are thinking along this line. Um, so, who knows? But I think the idea that I had in going there, the Spirit was kind of telling me, was if you can get, you know, and I didn't even know that at that time that the Hopi had some Mayan connections. <laughs> and so I was thinking, what, why the hell am I going to go down to Hopi and talk to them about this new Zulkin? You know, why, why do they care? <laughs> you know? And, but, uh, the idea Pirate. here was kind of planned. Mark, Mark, when I was at Hopi Land, they, I didn't know anything about the Mayas at all, and this was in the 90s, and, uh-huh. and one man kept saying, you know, we're descended from the Maya. You know, Connie, <coughs> we're descended from the Maya. And then I got, I got spirit Pirate. orders to go find the Maya, and I ended up in Chiapas with the Lacandones with my three little kids in 1991, with my three little kids in the, in the jungles of, of Chiapas with the Maya, and um, and I got word that this was the beginning of life, that this was this was the beginning of, of it all. And um, so anyway, the Hopi Maya connection, you know, came forth for me in, in the 90s. And the well, parrot they, clan. Don't forget the parrot clan. The parrot yeah. clan. They're going to be Who's that? The Hopi the parrot, parrot clan. Yeah, they're going to be the ones, they potentially are, something's potentially going to happen within the Parrot Clan that's going to uh, bridge the gap from this world to the next. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, what's it, what, again, back to what I was kind of being guided when I went down there was that, um, and Wallace Black Elk was connected to this, <laughs> even though he was dead, but... Well, he was a, he was my he was a very close friend of mine for fifteen years, Wallace. He he uh, I, there were friends of his that actually um, instigated me going down there. It was because of the white buffalo. It was miracle second chance. Right before that white buffalo calf died, I uh, I asked Creator for a sign. I said, "Well, I want a sign that this new Zulkin calendar not only is true, but I wrote it down correctly." Well, within a couple, two weeks later, had this lady send me an email about the White Buffalo Miracle Second Chance born in Janesville, Wisconsin, the second one, not the first one, and it had died. And she sent me all these newspaper articles and stuff, and so, and it had the birth and the death of this White Mm. Buffalo calf. So I, I brought up my thing, and I did a reading in the new calendar on that birth and death. It came up as a quark storm glyph for both the birth and the death. Now, what was interesting about that is when you read one of the newspaper articles, it said Dave Hyder, the owner of the farm, said, is it just a coincidence that this white buffalo calf was born during a storm and died during a storm? 
that's exactly what I was looking at for the birth and death glyphs of that white buffalo was a storm glyph on both the birth and the death. And I go, oh, my God, this is my my confirmation from Creator. And I thought to myself, I kind of of felt bad, but (laughs) okay, I'm not going to ask for any more confirmations if things die. (laughs) (laughs) But that's actually what got me to go to Hopi land. I showed this to one of the Hopi elders on First Mesa. He pointed down at my computer screen, and he, the white buffalo calf with Miracle Second Chance was born on August uh, 25th, 2006. Well, this Hopi elder, he was born on August 25th. <laughs> and he goes, that's my birthday. And I go, uh-huh. oh, my God, what a, what a coincidence, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so he, but then I went over to Third Mason. I talked to Grandfather Martin, but... Um, yeah, it was it was kind of. But the idea of me going in there in the first place was, this was kind of the vision. Okay, what would happen if <clears throat> the Hopi decided, um, and they they talked and said, "Hey, you know, this new Zulkin calendar Mark has is uh, was given, seems to be connected to all to our prophecies, and uh, why don't we do something with it?" And they not only did that themselves, but they started to pull other people into it, like the Mayans, the Lakota, Cherokee, and other tribes, right? And they used this as a tool to start to build a unity among all the native tribes. Well, Hopi are a good place to start because they're, they're fighting with each other and have been <laughs> ever since the Third World. <laughs> yeah. And so if you can unify them and then unify everybody else, and then most of the other people like you guys a lot of people do feel some kind of connection to some tribe, some native group somewhere. You know, they have some. So that would pull in a bunch of other people, and you see it starts to become a seed, which is growing bigger and bigger and bigger and forming more and more connections. And literally, <clears throat> that would start to unify things, bring them in to a new life plan or a new calendar system to operate it on a different consciousness frequency, maybe connecting everybody back to Creator better, where they say, oh, we all fit in this song, (laughs) and this is how we fit. (laughs) That's kind of the idea. That's beautiful. Yeah. And the other idea was, too, was to do, and then the Hopi might be, not just the Hopi, but other tribes, the other idea that Spirit gave me, too, was to the Hopi and the other tribes would get together and they would put all their things together and create a, a birth of the next world cycle ceremony. It'd be a birthing ceremony, right? Beautiful. And dance and all that stuff. So they'd all get together and they'd work on this birth ceremony. So they create a ceremony to give birth to the next world cycle and move oh, into it. Oh. Or why don't they just do a, a you know a, a four night uh, uh, dance of uh, of welcome, uh, you know, also yeah. commonly referred to as the ghost dance, which is the purpose of it anyway. Well, you, you blue otter that makes a lot of sense. That's a, that's that and that may, maybe that's where it was going. Well, you know the the, the 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 you know the elders are ready to do it. The the we we know how it's done. We know it's a spiral dance, and and that's because uh, well, Volka's grandson Andy Vidovich demonstrated it uh, in the movie Billy Jack, and you can go to originalghostdance.com 
and you can see a two and a half minute clip on how it's done. And uh, it was actually a helicopter that that took off and showed how the dance was done. But the the only thing that was lacking was figuring out what what the song was. And so I mean it's it's in the process of uh, of of being figured out. And uh, uh, and if if the if the dan- a guy that that was autodidact in uh, physics told me that if the center of the dance, uh, if the dance was centered on a small hill and the people uh, on the outside arms of the dance was dancing, you know, even a foot lower, it would send an, an impulse of, of um, energy into outer space. And who knows well, who might show up. Maybe it would be an arrival. <laughs> That's another friend. <laughs> another uh, star nation. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, something something needs to be done to 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 catalyze this energy into a higher place, so that that people have have that to work with, you know, so we can break through this old mind and this old all these memories and this pain and hurt that we're carrying from and guilt and all this stuff that's separating us, you know. So whatever anybody can do to to break that that energy and 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 open the way open the path so we well, can do it well you know maybe uh when you go down to the third mesa you're going to hope villa or is where you're going yeah yeah we're going to hope villa yeah so maybe when you go down there maybe the reason it was popped in my head to start blabbing about all this and bringing it up is that maybe you're going to meet some people that are open to this and maybe you can talk to them about some of the things i just shared and you can probably listen to archives you can't remember all the crud i said <laughs> you know but uh it might be that something's gonna happen there maybe that's the reason i'm getting poked in the head to to say something about all this. yeah yeah there's something really important about the hopi and it's a, it's a, it's one of the great mysteries of our time quite honestly because i don't think anybody knows what it is but an awful lot of us have a sort of an intuition that there's something there that's really important and I, I certainly don't know what it is, but I know that there's just something well, that you one know, of the things potential. I know from it is they they're of all of them they're the only ones that I've seen that explicitly stated they were looking for a a, a change in uh-huh. their life or a new life plan. Yeah, a new, new the life. Plan. The reason that dawned on me was because I have something, so I I pay attention to stuff like that. So I uh, uh, immediately, when, especially with Ian's thing, Lungold's, when he said a, a, a calendar is a life plan, that allowed me to realize and say, oh, this is what they're talking about. And so, yeah, I think that uh, that's, a, that's a key piece that, that they have, and they talk about the symbols and things and certain things coming together. And those symbols, remember what Blue Water was saying about the spiral and the energy and stuff going up? Okay, those symbols have to do with that. And they connect into the uh, poles of the planet, what the Hopi called the twins, right? That's uh-huh. what's on the missing piece of the tablets. Ah, uh, and you know, we're, st- we're starting to see something as well. We went to a, a Unity concert up in the, in the Black Hills, South Dakota, this last mm-hmm. September, I think it was. It was beautiful, and 
there are these unity concepts and unity events of various kinds beginning to happen, apparently, all over the planet. People are organizing <laughs> these things, and, 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 and the, the, the spirit of it is, has to do with unity. And the proposition we're putting out, which is Unity 2020, the symbol of it, we have this beautiful, you can go on our website and actually see this image. It is a, a male, it's an it's a image of a man, and he's split down the middle, and half of him on the one side is pilgrim, is European, and the half of him on the other side is Native American, to just to honestly show the oneness. And this idea that 2020 is, you know, there was all that talk about 2012, and all these ideas that, oh, December 21st, 2012, everything was going to shift and this whole thing was going to happen in the, in the outer world. And a lot of people were afraid and on and on. What did happen there was there was a really powerful inner shift and we're seeing a real change. And now we're beginning to hear that the year is, in fact, 2020 or even 2021. But that period yeah. of time is an opportunity. It's an opening. It's a portal. It's something where there's an opportunity for us to really find each other, drop the past, and move forward together in some way that we have yet to invent. That's the job of the vision. Do you know what the date of 2020, 2021, is? What? Okay, the 20, 2012 actually kicked off a 20-year Katun cycle in the Mayan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> that, and I had a, last August, I had a Mayan elder come up here from Guatemala and visit me, and he's out now um, actually teaching some stuff on the new Zulkan. And he, about oh, two months ago or so, I was surprised because he didn't even give me any warning or tell me anything, but he said that, uh, or gave out information that indicated that the Mayan elder of the highland and lowland, which highland is uh, Don Alejandro, and I forget the other guy's name, but... Apparently, he went and talked to them, and both of those Mayan elders, apparently, according to him, uh, did actually a ceremony and blessing of the Six Sun Vulcan calendar that I have. And he's out now kind of teaching it to people. And he's talking about, he's also talking about the year 2020, 21, 22, right in there. So that's yeah. the midpoint of a 20 year Katun cycle. Okay. Roughly. That's a, and he's he's also saying kind of the same things as you are. He's working on the same ideas. His key words are in like peace, unity, love, togetherness, mm-hmm. all that stuff. That's yeah. that's what he's uh, this particular mind elder. That's what he's pushing for and focusing on. Yeah, we know Don Alejandro, and we know we, I knew Ian Longold. We're actually living with his ex here in Sedona. And I really resonated to Ian and what he had to say back in the day. And yeah. um, so who knows? Look at all these pieces of, of our commonalities, you know. Uh, it's pretty wild. And the fact we're going up to Hopi now, yeah. it's pretty wacky. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's why, I, like I said, I was getting poked in the head to bring all this stuff up because it might be something that you, the people you talk to, you might mention this all to them, and if it resonates with them, then maybe all of us get together and pull, pull in Blue Otter's part, too, there, because I think that that's, um, uh, he has, him and some of the people he works with, they have a lot of good understandings and ideas, too, and so, I mean, if 
pull all these people together and get something going, then maybe maybe this will actually happen. <laughs> Let's do it, Mark. Let's do it. We got, it's about people showing up, suiting up, showing up, and actually choosing to walk well, stay, and down, um, open our hearts and come together. We've got to do it. It's you know. It's, have have blue you know, give it's you. It's up to us. We're the people we've been waiting for. We got to do it. Have Blue Otter give you my number and stuff, so that way if you're down and hoping you have some questions or people want to talk, then you can give me a call or something. Will do. Well, yeah, yeah your calendar, you're, you've been talking about this calendar. Can you send that to us? Well, it's it's not a... Um, it's not a calendar like, you know... <laughs> you're, it's not a calendar like you... <laughs> You know, you stick on your wall. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a 2016 calendar that tells us what day Thanksgiving's on. Come on, Mark. <laughs> what? But it. Well, you can see it. it. There is a form of it that's kind of the same type of structure as the. <clears throat> uh, there. There is a picture that has the whole thing on it. But yeah, it's. But what you're saying is really not something you could stand. It's really something that you. Uh, to have developed your expertise at, at reading and, and interpreting. Am I right? Well, originally what happened, this is actually a, a growth of the current Mayan calendar. And it's, grow, it's growing by certain sacred geometry and mathematics that actually form our entire creation. It's actually mentioned in the Popol, Mayan Popol Vuh, if you know what you're looking for. I didn't know all this when I wrote. I was just given it. <laughs> I didn't know any of this until later. I learned over the last how many years. And so initially what happened to me was I was just given the new symbols. And then from there I understood how to sequence them, and I locked it down onto the dates that I was originally given it to. So that those dates form what I call the <coughs> the movement from the backward flow of time. The current Mayan-Zulkan calendar correlation is what drives the forward flow of time. So it's kind of like the two time flows are um, two world cycles anchored. And so the... Uh, I kind of lost my train of thought here, what I was trying to say. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that... And so I wrote, I wrote all this stuff down... And I almost threw it in the trash. I almost just said, forget about it. Be until I was given, uh, started to understand the mathematics and the sacred geometry and how the current Mayan-Zulkan calendar, if you grew it according to this geometry of how most life grows and how Creator communicates, if you grew the Mayan-Zulkan, it would grow mathematically into what I was given. That's the thing Blue Otter was talking about, the spirals and the energy and all mm. that. That's mm -hmm. part of it, you know, how plants grow, all this. When I started to understand how this thing was hooking into that pattern of growth, then I started to go, oh, my God. And because this has to do with the, the unity, too, because in mathematics and sacred geometry, there is only one way to split unity into duality in a way that the duality can grow yet maintain perfectly its connection back to creator there's only one way to do it and this mathematics that grows the mining zulkan into the new zulkan six sun zulkan it's using that to do it 
So say that again. There is only one way. There's only one way, yeah. To yeah. split unity of creator, the unity of and oneness of creator. There's only one way, mathematically, sacred geometry, to split it in such a way that it perfectly maintains its connection while it's growing outward, another path going back inward to creator. There's only one way to do it. Mm. That's mathematically provable. I mean, it's just, there's no question. Uh-huh. And so, and that's actually what's in the Mayan Popol Vuh. And it's, also, a... in, it's also in what Blue Otter was saying about the spirals. And mm-hmm. you link, so if you link this mathematical pattern back into how creation is formed and consciousness, you've just aligned yourself with creator mm-hmm. perfectly, mathematically perfectly. It's, wow. That's what it's for. And so when I saw this showing how the Mayan Zulkan calendar grows, using that mathematic sacred geometry into what I was given and recorded, I go, oh, my God, this might be real. <laughs> <laughs> and I started taking it a lot more seriously at that point because, you know, mm-hmm. I had something wow. a little bit more solid. After that, I started to pay attention to what the Hopi were saying about new life plan, these symbols and all this other stuff, and I said, oh, my God, this fits with that, too. And, I, and then I started looking at other culture stuff, and it was fitting with everything. And it was then the idea popped into my head that what it was doing one of the possibilities of what it can do is when you move from one world cycle to the next, you can have a, a problem happen, develop, and you get whacked and you, you lose a lot of your culture, you, you lose memory, you use all kinds of things. One, one of the things this, thing, this Zulkin seemed to be doing on the backward flow of time was moving back and literally connecting into everything in our entire civilization, all cultures on Earth. And it was like it was recording it, vacuuming up everything, every little speck of knowledge and information, and pulling it all together so it would all be available in the next world cycle. That's wow. What it seemed, that's okay. what it's, from a certain point of view, that's what it seemed to be doing. <laughs> and showing the unity of all of it. And yeah. It's, just, it's uncanny when you look at things. It's like what you gave me that date on the landing over there, you know. And, uh-huh. Uh, 1620. What what happened? Well, when I was doing that part of the reading about the seed, that was that part of the reading was being done using the six suns Vulcan. What I found over a few years of experience, six, the Mayan Zulkin is pretty good. The six suns Vulcan seems to be even better at determining relationships and connections. It it's amazing. It's uncanny sometimes how good it is. <laughs> Uh-huh. Is that a, is that a new one, Mark? Is that something that's just emerging as we speak, or is that your or is, it, or is it ancient? Well, no. It it, it came it came in to my awareness, and when I first recorded it back in 1998, in February. So, but it is new. It's not it's not hundreds of years old. It's 1998. It's 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 coming well, through. Components of in a way it is because remember what I said. It's basically a mathematical uh, sacred geometry growth of the Mayan Zulkin into the Six Sun Zulkin. It has the complete current Mayan calendar in, within it, inside of it. All right. So, yeah. 
Listen, can I can I propose something? I think it's about um, six twenty um, our time here in Sedona, which means we've only got about ten minutes or so left. <laughs> yeah, we used up the whole show on this, right? And you and you know, no, we didn't. We had a we had a good beginning, and I promised I'd tell a little story, and it's a story about um, native and Anglo unity. And uh, what, do, what do you think of it? It would take about five minutes. Would you like? To, would you guys like to hear that? Sure. Sure. All right. So. What happened when the? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna really fast forward. I'm gonna zoom through it. The, the Mayflower landed at the very end of 1620. They met. They didn't meet any natives until the spring equinox of 1621, when they met the famous Squanto, and they met Massasoit, who was the leader of the Poconocet um, band of of uh, what are today called the Wampanoag Indians. And they sat down on that very first day they met, they crafted a treaty, and that treaty lasted for 54 years. That's historical fact. And that was the beginning, beginning of that friendship. Now, about 12, I'm not sure of the exact date, but about a, about a year later, they got word the pilgrims had been building their little Plymouth plantation there and interacting with their natives and native friends and learning how to plant Indian corn and getting their crops together, and they had the famous first Thanksgiving. And they got news that Massasoit, the leader of the Poconocets, was dying. They suddenly got word that their friend, and really their best friend, because a lot of the natives there did not think it was a good idea to let these Anglos settle there, and there was a lot of um, contention around that, but they had a real ally in the form of Massasoit himself. He's dying. So they sent Edward Winslow, the governor of, of Plymouth, sent Winslow and another young Englishman who was actually a visitor and sent him deep into Indian country. He had to walk 46 miles into Indian country to go to Massasoit's home in present-day Rhode Island. And you can do that right now, and it's a hell of a walk. To walk from Plymouth, Massachusetts to um, basically um, Mount Hope, Rhode Island. They get there, they hear on the way that he's already died, and they're being guided by Hobomock, who was a, um, a, a native friend of theirs who had moved into their village and was living with them. And Hobomock burst out into an amazing, basically, sort of oratory about the the virtues of Massasoit as to what an extraordinary leader and what a beautiful man he was, and there's none like him. But anyway, then they send somebody to Massasoit's village, they send a runner to find out if he's really died, and word comes back, no, he's dying. If you get there really fast, you might still see him. They get there, he's still alive, and long story short, Winslow is able to go in there, and he brought with him an English concert, an herbal remedy, he managed to get this this remedy into Massasoit's mouth. His teeth were locked. He hadn't had a pastor stool in days, and he was he was blind. And he managed to get this conserve into his mouth, and the man turned around and recovered within about three or four hours. It was like a miracle. And Massasoit at that point realized the extent to which the English, his English friends really cared about him, and it was it was an extraordinary moment. Okay, so that was kind of a turning point. If that hadn't happened, I don't think Massasoit had died, it would have been big, big trouble for the for the English. That was the that was the reason they actually survived. Because the they were they, they they accused the uh you know, the, the English found the corn but the Massasoit's people were accusing him of stealing it and that was the confrontation Massasoit was trying to heal. 
No, 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 no. That, that, that was the, it was the nozzle's corner, and that was a whole other thing. And that got resolved really well later as well. Because they, oh, okay. they finally met, and they paid them, and they gave, and they actually, they, it was a, it, it actually turned, that story also turned out well. So we're really looking for the places where stories turn out well. We hear so much about stories that turn out badly. But anyway, on the way home, heading back, they stop at the village on halfway, there's like a halfway point, and there was a native station named Corbettant. And Corbettant did not like the English. He did not think he was one of the ones advising that they should be taken out. And they spent the night with him, and after, after this rescue of Massasoit himself, who was the, sort of the paramount chief of the entire area, and had an extraordinary conversation about, and it's what I mentioned earlier, they were eating. And the, English, the two English guys did, they said, their grace. They just said, thank you, God, for this food. And the Indians wanted to know, what are you, what are you doing? And they explained it to them. They ended up really having, like, it sounds like an all-night conversation that Winslow wrote about when he got back to, to the plantation. They really discovered that they had a parallel understanding of the nature of the universe, the nature of God or Creator. And it was very interesting that the, the, the natives said to Winslow, what you call God, we call Keton, and we absolutely agree with everything you've said, except for one thing. Your, your God tells you you can only have one wife, and they weren't not going for that one. They were like, uh-uh, because those guys, you know, you, the more wives you had, the better life you had, you know? So, yeah, and, and also Corbettan said to Winslow, he said, hey, listen, if, if this ever happened to me, would you come and heal me as well? And, and, and Winslow said, yeah, of course. And then Corbettan said, tell me something. How is it that you, you dare come so far into Indian country by yourself? And Winslow said, and this is a quote, where there is love, there is no fear. And for mine own part, uh, I'm, my heart is so upright towards you that I am fearless to come amongst you. Now that's beautiful. That's the, that's the story we wanted you for. That's we want to end it on that story. That let's let's go forward from there in our hearts and um, and and bring peace on earth and heaven on earth. And Mark, yep. it's just your 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 story and you and what your vision and all that you've brought to this conversation just gladdens our hearts because. You're talking unity. You're talk. You're talking our language, and you're talking this this beauty and how to get there and tools and you know and boy, both of you, uh, Will, um, thank you so much. And this is just this just feeds us so much because we're boots on the ground, you know, out there in the belly of the beast, saying, "Hey, let's let's do this." And everybody's so enmeshed in this this victim perpetrator energy, you know. And we just, something's going to set us free from that so we can just let it go. Let it go. You know, the, the Iroquois have a condolence ceremony that, you know, okay, come and, and, and cry and, and be angry and do whatever and let it go. Get on with it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we aren't going to, we're, we're just going to be stuck in the same rut if we don't, right? <laughs> that's yeah. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So this is so beautiful. Thank well, you. I, I sent you, uh, uh, both of y'all sent you a, a Facebook message on it, so uh, and there are phone numbers, so you, give me a call or something before you go down to the Third Mesa or something.
something. Nice. Maybe we can talk some more. Well, they have a beautiful, the day I met Grandfather Martin, I got to take an amazing photograph of him. I'm going to track that down and send it to you because I think you'd like it. And he oh, was talking yeah. about... He was talking about the per Cation. So we, we, you know, because he didn't speak English very well, and we, cause we, we always refer to it as the per Cation. We, ne- we never, we never, never say the purification. We say the per Cation. <laughs> That's that new Hopi English language. Well, he wasn't hearing too good either, so you know his, no, not at the his end. hearing was gone pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, he used to oh. stay with us. Out at, we had a and b here in um, Sedona back yeah. in the day. We interviewed him for a film we were making, and honestly, it was pretty inarticulate. I couldn't ever figure out what to do with it. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we loved him dearly. Dear Grandfather Martin, bless him. Oh, and bless yeah. you. Bless you guys, and bless you, Will, for putting on this show. You bet. You know? And what a blessing to, to, to give voice and get, get it out there. <laughs> what everybody's thinking and, and, you know, how to get from here to there. Let's well, I it. think uh, Blue Otter's uh, idea there and connection back um, when I brought up the ceremony thing of him bringing up the ghost dance thing, I think that's a yeah, very important this. connection mm-hmm. because that's, I think it's uh, uh, the idea of, of synthesizing something like that because it was the friendship and relation, a relation of, of all people. And that's, and I think that's a will be a really useful and important thing going forward. And he can probably help with all that. And then I, I think that also one of the things we could do as would be very interesting is the timing of the ceremony. We could actually use the six Vulcan <laughs> calendar to do, to determine when to do the birth ceremony or the whatever ceremony mm. we call it. The launch ceremony. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Oh. Sounds good. Well, we got to run. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, appreciate you <laughs> guys it, coming you know, on. Nice. We're, Let's do it. Let's just do it. No commercials now. <laughs> appreciate <laughs> you. We we got to run. We're running out of um, of frame. But hey, thanks for wow. <laughs> thanks for being with us. Yeah, and people can go to our website, thetrustfrequency.net. The first fifty years. Us. Crack us down, and we love you all. We'll see you guys on the flip side. All right. Yep, yep. Good night. Okay. Good, good night. night. Good night, everybody. Good night to all.